This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, as coders and billers, we get it. Healthcare compliance can be a hassle, inconvenient, and a headache that never goes away. That's why they developed EpiCompliance, an easy-to-use software that helps you stay up to date and on track with ever-changing requirements of healthcare compliance. This cloud-based software covers HIPAA, privacy and security, OSHA, and the ACA OIG Medicare Waste, Fraud, and Abuse compliance requirements. It includes forms, policies, tasks, and mandated compliance training all in one easy-to-use interface. Do you need to send and organize your business associate agreements to your clients? You can do that with EpiCompliance through their Business Associate Center. And most importantly, in our profession, EpiCompliance covers you with billing and coding for waste, fraud, and abuse compliance. Don't risk getting on the CMS, HHS, OIG list of excluded individuals and entities, which is a permanent record on the internet. Ready to stay up to date and compliant every month with EpiCompliance? You have to do it. Did I mention it's required by law? You might as well do it right with EpiCompliance. Right now, Life as a Coder podcast listeners can save 20% on their subscription by visiting epicompliance.com forward slash Ozark and using the discount code Ozark20. That's epicompliance.com forward slash O-Z-A-R-K and use the discount code Ozark20. That's O-Z-A-R-K-2-0. Do it now. Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series brought to you by Ozark Institute, an initiative of OncoSpark, a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company, discussing your life as a medical coder, offering tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast. My name is Jennifer McNamara and I am your host today. As always, my goal is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management as well as tips for work-life balance. If you're a first-time listener, we thank you for listening today. And if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank our sponsors over at Ozark Institute. Ozark Institute is an initiative of OncoSpark, a technology-enabled revenue cycle management company. Well, how is everyone doing out there? I'm so glad to have you back for another episode. This is, of course, Season 5, Episode 9. I'm very passionate about education. Those of you who know me, have met me, or see me out there networking on LinkedIn and Facebook and in different places, I, of course, am a strong believer that education, no matter in what form you get it, is valuable. And the value is really why we do it, right? There is so much out there, uh, but for you as an organization, you have to be able to tie that value, right? Tie that value uh, to your organization. If you purchase an education module or you purchase information, how is that information going to then bring value to your organization? 
So we know that every organization has to decide that for themselves, but we are so appreciative of the organizations that have reached out to us at Ozark Institute for your education needs. And over the past few years, I've been blessed to meet several other educators that I've collaborated with. And I know this season, I really wanted to really collaborate with as many of the people out there as I can that I respect and that, of course, inspire me, my influences. And one of the people out there that has really inspired me that I've gotten to know is Sarah Reagan. Sarah Reagan is a very seasoned coder and auditor. And of course, she's also uh, starting her journey down the education path like I did several years ago. And I wanted to talk to her about her views on the virtual education side of things. We both have had chats and we both feel that virtual education is here to stay. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about all of the things we've gone through the last couple of years and even before then. What brought us to this place in our lives where we feel that no matter what form you get education in, we do want to make sure that you understand the importance of getting it uh, when you need it. Many of us out there were displaced, you know, in our jobs, and we have credentials to keep up. Myself, personally, I was able to attain two credentials this year, uh, get my education virtually. Uh, there were there was one, of course, time, of course, back last year at HealthCon in Dallas, I was able to go in person. But for the most part, all of my education the last couple of years has been virtual. And prior to that, I started my virtual education route and my program with virtual education for people that are in need of education. I don't want to limit myself to just reaching only those in my community, but I want to also reach out to those elsewhere. And who hasn't benefited from the AAPC's virtual education program with their local chapters? I am so blessed. I've been able to meet so many people and network with so many of you coders and, and billers and managers uh, out there in these virtual chapter meetings. Um, every month, I get another opportunity to, of course, speak at another conference or at another meeting. Uh, with these great, great uh, coders and network. And of course, this week, I'm really excited that I get to uh, start my journey down the next year of attending HealthCon, not only as an attendee, but as a speaker. So shout out to those of you that are attending HealthCon. We're going to have some great, great education, opportunities to network together virtually. Again, another way that we can keep virtual education in the spotlight. And whatever the future holds, we know we love to be in person and we need love to have lunch together and, and network and do the ex exhibitions together. But if we can't do that, we always want to make it available to you guys out there to have this opportunity for virtual education. So stay tuned for my interview with Sarah Reagan as we talk about virtual education is here to stay. I want to thank our sponsors over at OncoSpark for designing a platform that streamlines and standardizes the authorization process. As we know, the barriers for practices and patients due to prior authorizations are a clinical and a clerical issue. This new tool, Authparency, optimizes staff and resources while decreasing the time that a patient must wait. This platform will seamlessly integrate with your practice management system and your electronic health record, alerting you to expiring authorizations or order changes. Authparency's reports can also be used for internal development as well as payer and pharma accountability. Direct insurance verification and specialty pharmacy hub enrollment are standard modules in the platform too. So jump on over to oncospark.com. That's www.oncospark.com and look at their technology solutions. 
We're also going to put the information in our show notes. Schedule your demo for Auth Parency today and get started with this amazing tool. Well, as mentioned, I have my special guest, Sarah Reagan. Sarah is a risk adjustment auditor at Anthem, and I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for coming on today, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me. I have been, of course, following you for quite some time. We've been following each other on LinkedIn and and Facebook, and uh, we belong to a lot of the same groups, and we both love coding and have some of the same passions. And so I thought it was perfect for us to get together today. I like to have people on my show that I, of course, am inspired by. And so I would have to say that includes you as well. And I, I want to actually <laughs> ask you some questions, just get to know you a little bit so our listeners can learn more about you. Um, so how long have you been in healthcare? Wow. So I feel like I've been in healthcare for almost my entire adult life. I actually became a medical assistant first, and I graduated from medical assisting school when I was 20 years old. And it was right after I turned 20. So I did that literally a year after I got out of high school. And I worked as a medical assistant for a little while. And it turns out that clinical was not for me. Um, I didn't enjoy it that much, and I was looking for something else to do, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Anyway, since I was a medical assistant, I decided that I wanted to um, work at a hospital, and I went to my local hospital for a job interview. And one of the things you need to know about me is that I have absolutely no sense of direction whatsoever, and I got lost inside the hospital. (laughs) I did, and I missed my interview, and I was so upset because, you know, here I am, you know, I had this interview, and it was already hard enough to get interviews with the hospital, and then this was before cell phones, so I couldn't even call her and say, hey, I'm lost, can you come find me? And I was kind of dejectedly walking around the hospital, feeling all sorry for myself. And lo and behold, I walked into a job fair for patient financial services for the hospital. And I thought, well, I already missed my interview. I might as well go in. And that's when they hired me. (laughs) And um, that is literally how I started my career in um, billing and coding was literally just finding myself at a job fair and gave it my all in that interview. So that was in my mid-20s when I started working there, and I've never looked back since. That is such a great story. I just love that. It's just, and it's funny because I feel like the more people I talk to, we seem to have similar backgrounds or how we got into healthcare. It maybe wasn't where we thought we'd find ourselves or how we got in that first job was not where we thought. For me, like, I had become certified, but I was still in billing. And I hadn't got my first coding job yet. And I, I interviewed, I just, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to go just try at least a claim specialist job because I know I can do that for sure. We had moved to a new area and I had to get a job. So I'm like, well, let's just try this until I find what I need. And uh, she's like, you're overqualified. Like you're a coder. <laughs> so I was like, well, I was like, I wasn't sure what jobs to apply for. And, you know, I wanted to get my feet wet in the hospital. And she said, oh, across the hall, I have uh, my colleague. She's looking for a coder. I'm going to send her your resume, and I'm going to tell her that she should just invite you over just to have a conversation. So that's how I got my first official coding job in orthopedics, like literally Is never coded. That's crazy. Wow. I love stories like that. You're so right. It's crazy how that happens. Um, but 
you know, you talked about, you know, how you got into healthcare. Now that you've been in healthcare for 20 years, I'm this, like kind of the same over 20 years. Um, what is it that keeps motivating you to, to keep going? Well, what motivates me to keep going? One, I would have to say is that I love learning. I don't ever want to stop. And so I'm excited every time I see something pop up that I want to do. It never feels old hat to me. I honestly feel like I learn something new almost every single day that I log in and, and work on these charts. And I'm excited to start my day. I, I think the only time I'm not excited to start my day is if my coffee pot broke. Of because course, yeah. Yes, exactly. So I mean, I mean, I'm in a good mood when I work because I love what I do. And that's so important. And I can't imagine working in another field and feeling that that joy and happiness that I get now. I totally agree. And sometimes my husband, he he has a hard time with me because I sometimes can't dis- disconnect uh, my life from my job because to me, they were like one of the same. Like, I love what I do. But I do have to work on that. And I feel like since the pandemic, I don't know if you've had this, but me personally, like it's been difficult working from home. It was a little different aspect because I could leave the house before I had this motivation. And now it's like, I'm just like, well, I should probably say it if I if I can so I don't get the disease. And and now it's like, okay, I need to get back to like actually living my life again. <laughs> like, it just kind of changed me in so many ways. I have to admit, I'm also, uh, I'm quite the homebody and I was before the pandemic so this really did not help me <laughs> no, right? and uh and now my my uh my oldest son moved out and left me a spare bedroom so I have been for the past two months working on creating this haven of an office in my house and even my husband's like oh I'm never gonna see you again <laughs> and I love it it's so, it's so pretty in here so I'm in here right now yay <laughs> Hey, well, it looks beautiful from what I see. Excellent. Well, that's awesome. Now, um, I know you recently told me something exciting that you are going to be reaching out to become an educator uh, for coding, which is such a great thing. I, of course, decided to do this several years ago. And at that point, I didn't know that there was an actual instructor program at the AAPC. I was just kind of teaching people based on what I knew and kind of creating my own thing. And when I discovered it, I'm like, oh, this is really great. So um, and I know you have like your own experiences, just like I had, that brought me into the world of educating. So if you would like to, I'd like to ask you what motivated you to reach out to be in the education space. All right. So here is where my story gets a little bit sadder. Uh, I had been working as a coder for about three or four years at this point, and I was looking for a second job. But the reason I was looking for a second job was because my um, my daughter was extremely ill. And by ill, I mean, um, and I'm, I'll be, I'm being perfectly frank and open and honest here, but my daughter was a drug addict, and she needed care for me to pay for And I actually was applying for waitressing jobs and working at grocery stores, trying to come up with the money to pay for all of her medications, all of her therapy, all of the rehab. Uh, If you've never worked with someone or lived with someone or loved someone who's an addict, it's not cheap. Even with great insurance, there's so many out-of-pocket costs, and I didn't want her to worry about that. So I took on um, a second job, and a friend of mine said, you know, instead of uh, being a waitress, because let me tell you, I'm not a great waitress. I've, I've done it. 
um, she told me that the school that she worked for needed another medical coding and billing instructor and I applied and they hired me and that is how I actually ended up in education. It wasn't because I was actively seeking it. I just I hate to say it. I needed the money. I wanted to help my, my, my daughter. So I ended up in um, education that way, but it turns out I loved it and I enjoyed um, speaking to the students and I enjoyed hearing their stories and, and I enjoyed uh, seeing their faces light up when they learned a new concept or understood something that I was talking to them about and it brought me so much joy to know that I was helping people um, start their new careers and it's a feeling that um, you know is just so magical to me that I was able to do that for, for so many people. Uh, I don't work for that school anymore. Um, no hard feelings or anything like that. But those are some years that really made me realize that education is so important. And we're changing lives by having people take control of their lives. And I love being a part of that. So uh, recently I decided it was time for me to actually become an AAPC certified instructor. I ordered the coursework and I'm actually starting, I'm going to be working on it this weekend. So um, hopefully I'll be, I'll be getting through it pretty soon. Yes, I'm very, very excited by it. Um, I, I enjoy taking the courses through the AAPC. They're so well written. I just, I'm very, very excited by it. And I love adding extra letters after my name. <laughs> Isn't it fun? I, you know, I had to stop after a little while, take a break. <laughs> yes. uh, but I, I do still have some aspirations and others I want to add. And I will tell you uh, personally, one of the, the things I loved about the course that you're about to take was something I never really thought about when I was learning to educate was the different learning types. Like that's mm -hmm. what is going to be so, I think, fun for you since you love education and you've gotten to meet so many different types of people and in, in your um, journey that the joy of seeing, okay, like looking at your students and saying, okay, you're this type of learner. How can I adapt my instruction to help you personally? And then it gets down to that personal level and you can really help them and have that joy that you love seeing on their faces. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it's really the best part. And I have to admit that's something that I could really use some help with because I myself tend to be a hands-on learner. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you're teaching virtually, sometimes that's hard to do. Exactly. Which brings me to really the topic of our conversations today, which is the joys and fun of virtual learning. And um, personally, like when I started on this road, um, I was at the time teaching, I was teaching people in person. I was meeting people at Starbucks, people that, you know, that wanted to learn, but I didn't actually have a classroom. It was all like personal tutoring basically is what it was. <laughs> that's how I started with this uh, instructor program. Um, and that's how that worked. But then there were some people that were like, okay, I can't meet. Can we do it? Like, and Zoom was starting to become a thing. It wasn't really like we have it today. It was before the pandemic, of course, <laughs> but it was starting to be something that was more used by uh, professionals. And so we got on Zoom and we, we just kind of, I shared my screen. I learned how to do that whole thing. <laughs> I learned how to do webinars and it was a learning process for me. And so that was really great. And that kind of got my feet wet in the virtual learning aspect. And now we're, of course, we're in through the pandemic in a couple of years now. And it's all we know, right? It, it feels like it's always been here. Right. 
Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the virtual education that we've experienced before and after the pandemic. Now, have, were you able to experience any virtual types of learning before the pandemic, like in your job or, you know, doing that maybe like on a webinar or things like that? Right. So before the pandemic, I was not working from home. I was working in an office. I worked for a hospital, but I wasn't in the hospital. They had like a separate office building for their coders and billers. And that was where I went every day. So I was in the office five days a week, no virtual at all, which was fine because it was still I was still fairly new at coding. And uh, I really enjoyed that because I got to talk to people and ask them their opinions on you know, should I code it this way? What do you think about this? You know, we were Googling pictures when we would find terms that we didn't know, which, by the way, is absolutely OK to Google things. If you don't absolutely. know what they are, that's how you learn. Um, I recommend it. <laughs> yes, I recommend it. Dr. Google almost always has the right answer, but <laughs> we have to research to make sure that, you know, everything is kosher there. And uh, but I, I, I really did enjoy it. But at the same time, while I was teaching the classes were almost all through Blackboard. So I only went into that office once a week to meet with my coding and billing students. And I have to say, most of the time they didn't come. So I would be driving out there and it was a little frustrating at times. I would take the time to drive all the way there and then no one would show up because everyone wants to be at home. I, I don't know if it's because of its you know, our, our particular field seems to really gather a lot of introverts. Yeah. And I, most people just, they're not interested in meeting in person. They, they, I don't know if you've even noticed that when we used to have the in-person yeah. meetings, almost no one talked to each other. You would come true. in. It was very you true. Would, you would get your drink and your, and your snack. You would sit down with your notebook. You would take notes. You would mm -hmm, mm -hmm, the whole time, you know, listening to the speaker right on speaker. That's right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you'd get your CEU. And remember that when it used to be on a on a piece of paper, the little <laughs> CEU pay, uh, certificate. And then you'd walk out the door and never say hi to anyone. Yeah. And we could certainly as a group of people, I'm not saying individually, but as a whole group, most of us could really use some help with our networking. Mm -hmm. I can't I can't claim to be an extrovert. I am not. But I walked around those meetings and introduced myself to everyone, probably to the point where people were sick of me. But, <laughs> I love it. I, but, I, but I did because I wanted to know I wanted to know who I was working with. I wanted to know what people were up against. I wanted to know if there were any job openings and maybe it wasn't a job opening that would work for me, but maybe. You know, for example, someone would say, hey, Sarah, my company is hiring a coder, but we need somebody who has um, two years experience in OBGYN. And I'm like, well, I don't have any OBGYN experience, but my friend over here does. And I get them together. Next thing I know, my friend had a new job. What a great feeling. Absolutely. I like helping people. I like educating people. I like helping people. I like meeting people. And so. I really love that aspect of the in-person meetings and then the pandemic uh -huh. and everything was virtual. There's certain things about it that I love. One, I didn't have to fight traffic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I live in central Florida for anybody who doesn't know that and everything is under construction and it's bad. And I 
very much do not enjoy driving here. I don't enjoy driving anywhere, but really I don't like it here. And so there were a lot of times where I would go to these meetings and I would be stressed out because I was on the interstate for an hour and a half to get to my meeting so I could get my CEUs. And this was something that kind of bothered me, but it didn't affect me that much. But I always think about what about our coders who maybe have night vision issues and shouldn't be driving at night, but they have to come out to get their CEUs. What about the people who have young children and our meetings will boom right in the middle of dinner time and bedtime mm-hmm. for people who have, you know, elementary school and younger, you know, they, they can't leave their kids to come to a meeting. And I, I think about people who are maybe physically disabled and the meeting location doesn't have access that they need to get in without being injured. And so by going virtually, this really eliminated so many of those those uh, barriers for our our members so that we, they could start making it to the meetings. And so whenever we were doing the meetings and I would see names I didn't recognize, first I would look to make sure that they were part of our chapter because I didn't want to call out someone who wasn't a partner, you know, maybe they weren't there for that. But I'd be like, hey, I see you're a part of the Daytona chapter. I don't know you. How are you? I'm Sarah. I'm a, I'm the I love your chapter, by the way. I've really enjoyed speaking there. Oh, thank you. We loved having you. We had such a great response when you came and spoke to our our members. They loved it. Um, if any of you don't, reno- uh, don't know or weren't there, but Jennifer spoke to my chapter on colonoscopies. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yes, you did. I remember because I, I was actually telling a friend of mine that I was talking to you and she remembered right away. She's like, oh, the girl who talked about colonoscopies. So I don't know if that's what you want to be known for, but you are here in Daytona Beach. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So um, I really feel like by giving a virtual option to people, you are allowing them, number one, to meets when they couldn't meet before because those meetings the the times to meet were very rigid and they were almost always right after work you couldn't see your kids you couldn't make dinner you had to get a babysitter and you're just adding problem upon problem upon barriers and just it, it wasn't working for so many people so even though i'll never be grateful for the pandemic i will be grateful for the fact that it opened up a brand new option for virtual learning and I'm sorry, but it's here to stay. Whether you absolutely. like it or not, it is absolutely here to stay and I am here for it. Absolutely. Um, there has been talk, you know, people, and I personally feel like there are times where like, I I love HealthCon. I so enjoyed being there last year in Dallas. And then I was looking forward to being in DC this year. And of course now it's virtual, which is it's fine because you know, we want to be safe. But then I'm like, okay, I really hope that the regional in Denver is in person because I really want to be in person again. I love that networking. And I will say, and you probably know this about me by now, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> I am definitely like out there. But I have, there was times in my life I also had that introverted uh, personality where I was very shy and didn't like to be around people. So I, I call myself kind of a hybrid. <laughs> because yeah, I, I can understand I that. I consider myself an introvert, but I have extrovert moments where I even surprise myself. <laughs> yeah, right? So yeah. There's a lot of us hybrids out there. I guarantee it. I think um, so. But I agree. And though, so some people say, okay, like everyone's itching to get back to in-person events. This virtual thing is going to go away. And that may be true for some people. Um, there are lots of people like myself when I was in this position 
I was the only one working in my household at one point. I couldn't afford to go to HealthCon for the 30 years that they had it. I w- I've been healthy for 20. I only went to HealthCon for the first time last year only because I was speaking. That was the only way I could afford to go. Um, you know what's funny? I, like, that I never is, could afford to go for that is exactly the reason why I made it to HealthCon last year. I was yeah. at um, regionals in Charleston, and the only reason why I was able to attend was because I was one of the speakers, and that was that was a huge deal. That was in person. It was so awesome. I absolutely love the experience. I can't wait to do it again someday. I absolutely know I'm going to make it at least a few more times, I hope. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I mean... I feel like once you go, it's like this bug you have and like you mm-hmm. just have to keep going because the opportunities you get, the people you meet, the connections you make, it's just amazing. Um, so I definitely agree on that. And so like, I did love that. And then, of course, as you know, um, I started these uh, virtual conferences back in 2020. Um, you may know Kimberly Jillivet Williams. Um, Who does you know, it? Out there. <laughs> yeah. So we, we got connected actually before way before this. Like I actually found her on AAPC's website, I was looking for somebody who had experience in interventional radiology, like cardiology, because I didn't. Because I had a question from work and someone was asking, I'm like, I have no idea. I'm going to get with somebody on Facebook or somebody out there and ask them. That's how I met her. And so we just had these conversations and found out she was also an instructor. So we would contact her back and forth, help each other with our students. And it was just a fun, a fun relationship. And so then she calls me and we're talking. And I was like, hey, we have access to all these CEUs as an instructor. So like, let's put together some kind of like seminar or something virtually. All these coders that can't get to these these, um, events or these meetings, like they may need their CEUs, right? And so let's help them get them. We'll do like a charity thing. So we made it really low cost. It was a pandemic. People, people actually lost their jobs. And so like, let's make it super cheap. So we did that. That became my charity event and I did it last year too. And so it just was a great thing. And before I knew it, all these other people wanted to help. And that's how I met Jordan Johnson. That's how I met Terry Fletcher. And like, all of a sudden, I am meeting these industry icons just because I had this idea. I want to help people. And that's what happens when we have that mentality like yourself. You know, we're in it because we want to help people. And we're not in it for the fame or for the recognition. Um, We just want to help and we want to get the word out, right? We want people to know it's not going away, as you said. I'm going to keep doing this. Now that I'm with OncoSpark, I have this huge platform. I have this great resources now. I can even make these events even better and reach so many more people. And I want to do that with these conferences. There's right. always going to be people that, of course, can't afford to go to HealthCon even now. <laughs> so, right. And I'm, I'm looking forward to attending one of your uh, conferences as well. I have not done that yet. Um but I'm going to, and I, I, there's so many great events that I can attend. And now I don't have to worry about traveling. I don't have to worry about getting on an airplane. I don't have to worry about driving. And let me tell you, driving is terrifying sometimes. Uh So I, I, I'm here for it. And I'm, I I get to meet all of these people. I never would have met you any other way. And I never would have met Kimberly or, or any of these other people. I never, because I was stuck in my little central Florida bubble. Exactly. And being in Florida, you know, I was just there uh, back in November for the Decision Health Conference. And I'm like, man, I'm from California and I used to be able to drive in this traffic. I'm like, now that I live in Northwest Arkansas, there is traffic, but nothing like the bigger cities. And like, I went into this little shock, like shell shock. I'm like, oh, I have to remember how to drive in traffic again. 
because you were actually in my neck of the woods and I, I think I think I was sick and that's why I didn't get to hang out with you yeah. and but, but yeah so you know what I'm dealing with and it's that traffic will oh it's just so bad I, I'm just gonna stay home <laughs> I know and that's one of the reasons like you know I feel I told my husband I'm like I feel like I have severe cabin fever because when we got home from California last month in January, um, we were left when it snowed. We left her in a snowstorm. I came home two days later, another snowstorm hits. And so I'm like in this whole like house constantly. And I can't even leave if I wanted to because I can't get out of my driveway. <laughs> so there's that issue. Wow. And then I finally get out. I'm like, and I'm always that person that's like, okay, I'm going to get the Walmart on my app. I'm going to have Walmart deliver my groceries or Instacart, whatever I can get. And so I'm like always doing that. I hardly ever go to the store. But I told John, I'm like, I've got to get to the store. I need to go walk in that door and be a human again and go down every aisle and grab my groceries like a normal person. I I completely understand. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely one of the I don't normally do uh, grocery delivery, but I will do pickup Um, just so that way, you know, I get out a little bit. But you know, especially during the pandemic, I was a little nervous about walking around the stores, but I'm feeling much more comfortable now. Me too, me too. And, you know, one of the things that um, we kind of circle back around to with this virtual education is the cost, because things are getting so expensive these days. Yes. I don't want to um, downplay education because I'm a firm believer that if you find someone that you trust in education, it shouldn't matter what it costs, you're going to find a way to get that education because you know that's the person that can um, help you advance your career. That's the person that has the experience and the knowledge that you need. Or maybe your facility needs it. Maybe you know you run a department in the hospital and your coders need that education. You're gonna you're gonna pay for it. Um, but then there's times where yeah you're looking for free things and. I've been on my soapbox before about free CEUs. I know you've seen my posts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but it's true, you know, we we need to help each other and 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 find those, but we also have to be willing to know this is not a cheap career. Um we have a lot of expenses as a coder. So one of the things I like to remind people too is that count the cost when you go into a career like this. Um know every year what your expenses are going to be and budget those into your your budget. Um I know I have to have so many CEUs. I have to have like 50 CEUs a year now. I think I'm at 52 now. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Um, with one credential, you know, you need 18 a year and then it goes up from there for how many you get. And it's a great thing, but that's another thing to count the costs. I want mm-hmm. this credential, but how in the long run, how is it going to cost me? Am I going to be able to get my CEUs to keep this credential that I work so hard for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Exactly. Um, but there's so much virtual help out there. So I wanted to talk about that. Do you notice that um, the virtual education is most of the time less money than in person? I feel like it has been. It has been a little bit less money. Uh, but I also don't want people to think that just because yeah. it's less money, that it's less education, because that's simply not the case. Absolutely. The reason why it tends to be a little less when it's virtual is because we're not having to purchase food worry about parking, worrying about finding a space that's big enough to accommodate people. And all those things cost money, uh, drinks. And then let's not forget um, cleaning supplies uh, before and after. People almost never think about that. But I, um, as a former officer, there were times I was having to walk around our meeting places and picking up 
um, food, food wrappers and drinks that people had left all over the floor. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I totally agree. And now that I have been involved with um, OncoSpark and we actually help plan like the bigger conferences for oncology, the numbers that I hear that where we pay for even just the facility to have it, paying for the building, um, paying for sponsors uh, or not paying for sponsors, but being a sponsor mm-hmm. and other conferences, the, the amount of money that co- comes in from other sponsors, these companies, the amount of money they pay for some of these larger conferences that's another indication why virtual can also save money. You maybe have like a virtual platform you pay for, um, but if you decide to go out there and, and do your own virtual education for any of you listening out there, there is a less of a cost for out of pocket for you versus you know in person. So there is advantages um, to virtual education uh, in that way as, as far as being an educator if you decide to do that. Um, but again, it's also fun to go in person, we know. So it is definitely in person. And I also wanted to just mention too, with mm-hmm. virtual, the flexibility is such a big deal. I don't think we've mentioned flexibility yet. Exactly. You know, if I if I need to meet somebody at eight AM, I can meet them at eight AM. If that's the only time that they have, maybe they have a different type of job where they work nights and eight AM is the last time they can talk to me before they sleep for the day. I can meet people on weekends. I can meet people at lunch. I can, I, and I don't have to go anywhere. I simply just pop open my laptop and here I am. But I, I absolutely love that particular reason for it. And I, I don't think it's mentioned enough. Absolutely. Flexibility is great. And I think even people are looking for that in their jobs too. Like people nowadays, when they look for a job, they're looking for flexibility, which is why a lot of people go remote is because they want that flexibility Life in these last 10 years or so has gotten more complex, more hectic. It's all about uh, convenience and I want things quick and I want them now. Oh, yes. um, back when I was a kid in the 90s, like things just weren't that way. I mean, no cell phones. Um, you, of course, if you wanted something, you had to go get it. It wasn't brought to you very often. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just this and this entitlement that some have like I the world owes me this and this kind of just so many things that. We encounter in the world today, which is why people are looking for those things. They want that um, flexibility and uh, those conveniences, right? I have to admit, I do love convenient things. Oh, I'm not going to lie about that at all. Yeah, I love them too. Absolutely, I love my cell phone, and sometimes yeah. it's too much because yeah. I feel like I do everything. Everything I can do mostly on my phone now. There are a few things I can't do, but there are a lot of things I can, and it's always with me. So there's that drawback of like, well, working remotely is that you can always, someone can always contact you. <laughs> you yes, it's a plus and it's a minus. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, Sarah, we had such a great conversation. I'm so glad that we were able to talk today and, uh, you know, learn more about you personally and also kind of have this conversation about the benefits of virtual education. And I wish you all the best in your upcoming course and your, uh, your journey as an educator. And of course, as always contact any of us who are educators, if you have any questions or any, you know, advice um, that you need on starting down this path, we're here to help you anytime. Anytime. Absolutely. I do turn off my cell phone sometimes at night. (laughs) Absolutely. absolutely. I get a little bit of sleep. Absolutely. Well, let me know if you wanted to let our listeners know, where are you uh, virtually that they can contact you? So uh, you can either find me on Facebook, 
My last name is spelled funny. You can thank my husband for that. It's R-A-G-A-N. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. And I think that's about it for now. Um, I don't have any other. I'm not on Twitter. I don't have the patience for that one. I understand. Yeah. I, I and, try and to I'm too old to TikTok, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's fun, right? I use Twitter <laughs> occasionally and just cross-posting different things, but I'm not on there actively. I, I mean, I don't even know if I'm using it right. I just, like, <laughs> post it. And I, I couldn't tell you that. But, but, yeah. Um, well, it was so nice having you on the show today. And um, to our listeners, we will put her information in our show notes, as well as some other tips for education. Um, for those of you that are educators or learning to be educators, uh, a way that you can reach out for that opportunity. Thank you so much, Sarah. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Oh, thank you. You as well. I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you so much to Sarah for joining the show today. What a treat. I'm really excited that we got to air this episode and you're listening today because it's really important that we realize the importance of virtual education and the impact that it has on those of us out there. We've seen a lot of changes in the industry and changes in our lives in the last couple years. And having the option to learn virtually has really, of course, helped so many of us to grow our careers. If you'd like more information about how to reach Sarah or myself with any questions about virtual education, please check out our show notes. I want to thank our listeners for all your support. As I always say, knowledge is power. The knowledge you gain today makes you powerful tomorrow. Never stop learning and never stop growing. This has been Jennifer McNamara with the Life as a Coder podcast. Until next time. Thanks for joining the Life as a Coder podcast. Please feel free to rate or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other healthcare professionals just like you. Join us next Wednesday for another episode. We'll catch you then.